Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello. I'm going to start this week's episode and, and indulge me on this. I hope it doesn't stray too much into kids say the darndest things. I'm, I'm going to okay. tell you three things about my son who is four and a half, and um, they're going to go. They're going to go in order. To oh, that's that's a, a little bit awkward and embarrassing in a, in a driftery kind of way. Mm. To Oh, that's horrifying. I'd be worried if I were you. Okay, right. You intrigued? Very. Go for it. So the first one is, I think I told you we're all watching or we have all been watching The Masked Singer as a family. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And he's only four and a half, so he's probably a bit young for Saturday Night TV. But I have really loved, there have been a few things, uh, David Attenborough programmes, junior bake-off and this where he's shown an interest in tv which isn't just children's tv and we've all sat and watched it together and that's felt really lovely to me and the mass singer has, has been perfect for that it's been the first thing he's ever watched that is on tv at a particular time in the week that you have to wait for to come on instead of just being able to go to bbc iplayer on or, or netflix and watch it so it's felt like a little event and we all get together on the sofa on a on a saturday night and this week we had the fire going and we had veggie marshmallows and it was like this lovely thing because it was the final and i think it's good for kids because it's basically celebrities singing in cute mascot outfits so the kids get to watch the cute mascots and the rest of us trying to work out who the famous person's voice is and it's it's been fun oh now i will say actually um my my prediction from a few weeks ago so if you do remember this if you if you do remember me predicting this. Um, actually, I'm going to speak to two different sections of the audience here. If you were watching The Masked Singer, you would have been very impressed at my prediction that Badger was, in fact, the singer Neo. What a fantastic <laughs> booking <laughs> that program managing to <laughs> uh, to secure him. And mm, how, how clever yeah. am I, really, for guessing that in advance? If you weren't mm. watching The Masked Singer... I can tell you that my mm. prediction of it being the radio DJ, Chris Moyles, came true. I was <laughs> right. 
Just on Chris Moyles. Be very, very uh, wrong, kind of. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. On, on Chris okay. Moyles, I have, against my better judgment, and this is uh, embarrassing. I've started scrolling through the Daily Mail online just before I go to sleep every night, and there was some paparazzi picture of him the other day, and the the headline was Chris Moyles flaunts his six stone weight loss, and I thought oh, that's weird. Like, did Chris Moyles? lose all that weight years ago, then put it all back on again, and as he just lost it again. So I clicked on the article, and no, he lost weight, whatever it was, 10 years ago, six years, I, I can't even remember. And the Daily Mail still write about it like he's walking around flaunting it. <laughs> flaunting? You no. can't flaunt for 10 years. Like, the flaunting this, days yeah. are over, like, yeah. quite quickly. Because there is a point at which it's just him. That's the that's the shape he's decided mm. he wants his body to be now. And yeah. he's, you know, been able to maintain. Um, it's very weird to say that he's flaunting it. You flaunt it. <laughs> you can only flaunt it for as long as people are surprised that you look like that. Yeah. I think. Anyway, um, so yeah, I did a great job if you didn't watch The Masked Singer of predicting that it was the, the, the radio DJ, Chris Moyles. Anyway, long story short, too late. Eugene is, is watching this programme and the Badger, who at this point had moved up to being his favourite after his previous favourite, the Dragon, had got sent home, only came second, didn't come first. Right. Well, may, may, at which point... Gene has a big strop on and takes himself off to bed in a strop. He's really angry oh. that the badger has been voted off. So I go in and talk, talk to him and he's a bit upset. And then the next morning when he gets up for breakfast, he's still a little bit upset that badger has been voted off the mass singer. And I'm just explaining that's how it is. The, the Viking, who I liked, got voted off a few weeks ago. Dragon was voted off. Now badger, he came second and that's still good. About an hour later, he and I go to the shop. We are in the queue to pay in the shop. And behind us, um, there is a nice middle-class lady. I don't know if she's okay. nice. Maybe she's horrible behind closed doors. But she smiled at, him at us a bit and interacted with him. She seems very nice. But she also seems a bit posh and the sort of person who, if she knew I was letting my four-and-a-half-year-old stay up to watch ITV on a Saturday night, I think would be mildly <laughs> horrified. You know, the sort of family right. who only have books and don't have screens. Yeah, right. Mm. Right. So Jean in the queue, just apropos of nothing or relating perhaps to the conversation we'd had earlier, goes, oh, not enough people voted for Viking and, oh, nobody voted for Dragon and, oh, not enough people voted for Badger. At which point this woman pipes in and went, no, they didn't. And if they had voted for those, I think the, probably the country would be in a better state, wouldn't it? <laughs> what? So because she's clearly got no awareness of what the mass singer is, she's heard about a kid having a whimsical conversation about people voting for a, a dragon and a viking and a badger. And she thinks he, maybe like her own kids or her own peers, like have engaging political debates with their four and a half year old, old children but they're still perceiving it in a slightly childish way and perhaps to my shame i just don't correct her of course not no i just try and move him in the direction of the till so he can talk to the person behind the till who i think does know what mass singer is um and not admit to her that my child isn't making a political statement about the 
current government in the UK. Yeah, pray he doesn't talk about sausage winning because yeah, that yeah, very yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there, so there was that. So that's that's the um, that's the sort of slightly embarrassing drifterish okay. thing. Mm. The next worst thing is. Mm-hmm. He said to me the other day that he wants to kill me so that nobody else can love me as much as he does. Ooh. I mean, can I say the word creepy? <laughs> it's one of the it's so creepy, it's really isn't creepy. it? Wow. Do you know why I'm do you know why I'm mentioning it on the podcast? Mm. So that when inevitably he grows up to be like a notorious serial killer <laughs> and they make a documentary about him, they can play this clip mm. and sh- show what... The signs were there. Show, yeah, the sign, signs were there all along. Isn't that the strangest thing? Yeah, I mean, it's real, it's real true love though, isn't it, for you? Yeah, I know. I don't think I can leave the relationship. <laughs> you should have stolen it and written it on your wife's Valentine's card. Or did, or did you? <laughs> God, it was such a weird thing. So that that was the the second worst thing. Do you want to hear the worst thing? Absolutely. There he goes. Went into the kitchen the other day. He was singing to himself. I have to say, on the evidence of his voice at four and a half, I don't think he'll be troubling any TV talent shows at any stage in the future. I mean, maybe he will, but not not in a good way, if you know what I mean. Um, (laughs) He was singing to himself Steel Bars by Michael Bolton. Oh, I don't think I even know that. I mean, I know Michael Bolton, though, so I can guess what it sounds like. It's not good. And then it later transpires that, you know, Sarah is always trampolining and watching the music video channels. (laughs) Yes. I think she'd happened across that song on VH1. It had then brought back some youthful memories and she started obsessively listening to it. And by osmosis, my son now knows it. Oh, my gosh. So I, I don't know. your son taken away from your from the wife. This is, this is what I'm saying. I mean, like, I don't know if divorce is the right thing. <laughs> no. It'd no. have to be divorce with some kind of element of that she wasn't allowed any access to him. But yeah, I think just yeah. the fact that he has been exposed to this possibly means that the social services should be involved and maybe he would be better off placed with a foster family. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle, would you like to bring me up to speed on correspondence from drifters? I would. First one's from Stephen, who says, in honour of a pancake day, which actually is, <gasps> as we record this today, it is. did you have any? Have you had pancakes? Have you been tossing the platters that splatter? I had three pancakes. No. Three big and did ones. Tom make them or, yeah. Did Tom make them or did you? Tom made them, yep. I was only supposed to have and- two, but Rudy couldn't manage all his, so I ate his, his second one. Nice and and did um did he flip or uh, yep. is he using the yep. spatula? Of course he, he did. Flipped. You've met Tom. I mean, he seems the type. Seems the type. Yeah, 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 yeah. He seems yeah. he seems the type. Oh, that's very impressive. What did you have on them? Oh, lemon and sugar. No, there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. I opinion. tried to. I know. I, I tend to agree with you. I tried to get them 
the other people who live with me, the aforementioned people in, in Pancake Day this year, but <laughs> neither of them seem particularly interested. I also what? like, I know, I know. I also like Semlebuns, which is the Swedish equivalent that you have on this day every year. I think they call it Fat Tuesday. And it's, again, the same thing. It's like fattening up before you fast for Lent is mm. the origin of it, I think. But they're these great buns with loads of cream and called Semla, and they're so good. And I don't know about you, but I'm finding this lockdown, it's annoying to other people how easy I'm finding it, but one of the things I do struggle with is not being able to travel at all, and I'd love to go to Sweden. So I follow loads of Swedish Instagram accounts, and there's pictures of these things, and there is one place in Stockholm called Sebastian Poserda, and they look so amazing that I called my friend Malik to ask if he'd eaten one of their similar buns. And he said, it's like, you know when Apple brought out the iPhone, there were already yeah. existing phones, but it sort of redefined mm. what a phone is and wanted everybody uh, made everybody want one. He said what this oh. one particular bakery has done with the similar bun is, is the equivalent of the iPhone, but in baked goods form. I want to go there now. Oh, it's really good. I went there the last time I was there a couple of years ago and I just had um, a sandwich on on a baguette and it was it was just a different level to any baguette I'd ever tasted. I don't understand how. But um, anyway, sorry, I feel that I've really gone off on one of these tangents that have been a real downside to lockdown that as previously discussed where every thought that comes into my head gets blurted out you didn't know need to know about the fact that i really miss fat tuesday it's not relevant to the fact that we're about to hear from drifters you made me feel really hungry so that's not good Let's Could you remind, remind me remind me who is this is from this is from again this is from Stephen and he says in honor of pancake day i thought i would share this story with you about 6 years ago i was visiting cologne with my now husband just before christmas it was beautifully festive and we spent the weekend going around christmas markets eating and drinking many mm. of the markets had stores with pancakes waffles and the like all of which i love Often the stalls would have samples on the counter to try before you buy. At one such stall, I went in to try a little bit of crepe with Nutella. As I mm. did, the burly German man behind the counter started talking to me in German. I assumed that he was giving me the sales pitch. However, inspecting the plaintiff samples more closely, I noticed used napkins and forks and bite marks around the pieces. It wasn't a sample, but someone's discarded <laughs> pancake. I think essential systems shut down at that point because I can't remember how I reacted. I don't know if the vendor thought I just really hated waste, couldn't afford a crepe or had mistaken the scraps for samples. My now husband found it hilarious. So to shut down teasing, I just briefly, I just, sorry, I just denied the reality of what he had seen. I was adamant I had only picked up a scrap and not in fact eaten it. Now when he brings it up, I stick to my revisionist account. Now I steer away from samples, even even if clearly offered. I guess in the post-COVID world, they may be a thing of the past anyway. Oh, oh that's fantastic. Love that. Yeah. And this is from Louise. It was a, a good good deployment of the port protocol. Excellent, yes. Mm, mm. Louise writes, I should start by saying, I don't know if we have established a measuring system, but if so, I am at least a level eight drifter, assuming a one oh. to ten scale. 
Around 15 years ago, I was working as an assistant in a well-known high street opticians. The shop had recently undergone a refit and the director decided it would be a good marketing to have a grand reopening one Saturday. We would have balloons, goodie bags, discount vouchers and entertainment. The entertainment came in the form of a Will Young lookalike, more of whom later, (laughs) and a living statue. A living statue, for anybody who doesn't know, is a performance artist who covers themselves in paint and stands very still in a public space, waiting for someone to show too much interest. At which point they were changed position, thus terrifying the unsuspecting member of the public and traumatising them for life. Our living statue would paint himself entirely in green and wear a green loincloth in keeping with the company colour scheme. I arrived for work and started my day as normal. What I didn't realise is that the performance artist had been sent to the very top floor in order to apply his all-over body paint. The top floor was only used for storage, so he would have the space and privacy he required. I will mention at this point that I am and have always been a magnet for awful, embarrassing events. I seem to spend my life muttering, that could only happen to me. My first customer (laughs) of the day hadn't been to the opticians for a while and therefore his old record had been archived on the top floor. I duly trudged my way up there and opened the door, only to be confronted by a stranger, completely naked and painted almost entirely in green. I say almost entirely because he obviously had no need to paint his genitalia. As much as I knew, I should keep my eyes up. The pink penis in a sea of green was so unexpected that several awful seconds passed while I stared at it. The performance artist apologised, as did I, whilst turning the most spectacular shade of beetroot. I fumbled for the customer record and ran back downstairs. The rest of the morning was fairly uneventful, but because of the magnet for awfulness thing, I ended up walking into the tiny staff room at lunchtime, only to find he was also in there, along with quite a few Uh. of my colleagues. The staff room was completely silent, presumably because of the green stranger in our midst. (laughs) I kept my head down and tried not to choke on my sandwich. Then he spoke. Sorry about earlier. Oh, God. Oh, God, no. I slowly raised my eyes and sure enough, he was looking straight at me, as was everyone else in the room. It's fine, no problem, I muttered, but it wasn't over. You're probably wondering if I'm just walking around naked under here, he said, pointing to the loincloth, but I do have pants on. All I could think to say was, oh, okay, I did wonder. Why did I say that? I hadn't been wondering about that at all. Now he's thinking I'd spent the last four hours pondering whether his junk was just hanging loose under that cloth. Why couldn't I have just said, no, that never even occurred to me, which would have been the truth. Even thinking about that day all these years later makes me want to cry with embarrassment. As for the Will Young lookalike, he was fairly convincing and having recently won Pop Idol, a popular celebrity. A couple of pre-teen girls were so excited to see him that they rushed to WH Smith's and bought his CD and a permanent marker returning for him to sign it. I assume that upon returning home and recounting their tale, their parents questioned why Will Young was standing in the street handing out leaflets for our opticians. (laughs) They phoned the store, had their suspicions confirmed and demanded a full refund for the cost of the CD and marker pen. So a successful day all round. Oh, that's so good. Um, two, Two things that reminded me of. One was when we used to be on the radio years and years ago, it would have been when you first started with me and Pete, Annabelle, 
we used to have this producer, Matt, who is still a very good friend of mine to this day. And um, he'd often get albums for us to give away on the air. And I would always say, oh, is it signed? Is it signed? Um, to him on the air and make him feel comfortable and then say, yeah, it's signed. And then he would go on the internet and find pictures of famous musicians' autographs and, and forge them. Terrible. Which was terrible. Someone of me. somewhere will have a Blue Tones album that's like not signed by who it should be. It's the truth of the matter. So don't yeah, don't take it to Sotheby's or whatever, just in case. Yeah, yeah. And then um then the other thing it reminded me of just hearing about living statues. I'm sure I've said this before, but there was some point at which after I'd started earning decent money, I wanted to take my mum abroad because we never really went abroad apart from once we went on a very 80s package holiday to Mallorca but apart from that my mum had never been abroad and I thought is there somewhere that she's always wanted to go so I eventually broached the subject with her I don't know if it was from Mother's Day or a birthday or something and she she says well there is one actually I've always loved learning about Rome and watching programs about Rome so you know um, I think that is the one place so I took her to Rome and I was so excited to do it um you know, we're not Catholics, but I thought seeing the Vatican would be amazing. Obviously, you know, the, the Colosseum, the Spanish Steps, the Trevi, all the stuff that is Rome. It's it's one of these places where it is impossible really not to walk around gawping because every corner is more spectacular than the, the last. It's just one of those places that is like a living museum. Um, my mum's favourite bit by far and the thing she spent the longest amount of time looking at was one of those living statues. <laughs> She'd never seen it before. So she was nice. like, oh, Jeffrey, I could not, I can't believe, I can't believe it. Look at that. I've never seen anything like it. Every time, just, you know, think about what a city is like full of tourists. You will often find those things. And I think this yeah. might have been in the early days of them, but even so, there were loads. And every time she saw them, oh. it was more interesting to her than these sort of hundreds and thousands of years old world-renowned landmarks and historical sites oh it is it is clever that it is clever that's amazing <laughs> yeah send us your stories of social ineptitude please um it's what what phrase uh, did we have there that i really like Mag- magnet for awfulness oh yeah that was good wasn't it a, a magnet yeah. for awful embarrassing events yeah, tell us about the ways in which you are a magnet for awful, embarrassing events. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. I've um, I've just sent you a picture of that Semler bun. Oh, great. I'll get even hungrier. To your phone. I mean, it's a work of art. It's so beautiful. I guess maybe you won't have the same response because you're not comparing it Ooh. to a regular old Semler bun, which was great to be good. Yes, right. Look at that so thing. So good you sent it to me twice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about oh, that. Oh, wow, that looks amazing. Mm. Anyway. Um, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to distract you. I'm ready for a way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. Yes, okay. So I spent way too much time this week thinking about the alphabet, more than possibly a countdown contestant and the person in charge of the PR for Alphabytes. And it's all because my friend said to me, you know, the alphabet doesn't have to be in that order. There's no reason for that order. And she's right. Like, it's not Mm. like numbers. 
where the order makes perfect sense with the alphabet. Mm. There's no reason for it at all. And if there was a reason, it was from a long time ago. Yes. And it makes me realise that I'd always seen A, B and C as superior to all the other letters, especially (laughs) anything mid-range like J. I bet you think the same. Like you think they're they're, they're better. Better, aren't they? There's definitely, um, maybe this is something we can get people to email in on. There's a definite hierarchy of letters. I don't know if it's... A is the best and Z is the worst because I think there are sort of glamorous exotic letters Z X, mm. you know Q to some extent. Although it really annoys me that it has to hang around with you, it can't just stand <laughs> up on its own. But but anyway, yeah. yes, I think hierarchy of letters is is real. Do you think there's anybody who thinks consonants is superior to vowels? Oh, I just think it's so obvious to me that vowels are better. So obvious. But if you think about what the... Okay, what is a futuristic letter? Futuristic? I suppose X? I don't yeah. know. So Z I and X, X, why are they futuristic? <laughs> I don't know. So if somebody like... was really into the future, they would think... <laughs> okay, but what is it? What is a really sort of dependable, solid, good old-fashioned letter? Yeah, you know, if you just think of a, a workhorse of a letter, you know, Mm, not particularly exciting, like, but oh. really th- fundamentally decent. Ah, oh, you think? You D- see, I would have gone oh. for it. Yeah, D, mm. I can see. M, I would go for. Mm. But what is strange about this is we are ascribing these characteristics to letters, <laughs> know, which oughtn't to have any characteristics. It's ridiculous. And I've definitely yeah. always, always thought as A, B, and C as like top dog. And yeah, actually, yeah, like, yeah. Come to think of it, the word alphabet. It's, it's probably mm. named after A and B, isn't it? Like Alpha Beta. Like that's yes. how yeah, yeah. Charlie Big Potatoes they are. And it made me yeah. start to resent them a bit. Like they're the unelected <laughs> overlords of the alphabet. We've got a band named after them, a television company. Mm. I suppose having some kind of order is useful for learning it. That was my first thought. And then I thought, mm. but is it just so we can sing that song? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, which is not a great You're song. You're suggesting that the, the song came first. No, no, I'm not suggesting the song came first, but I'm saying that like, that's why we're still in an order so we can sing that mm. song to learn it. But it's not a great song because, well, first of all, it's the same tune as Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Get your own mm. song, is what I say to that. <laughs> when I see what George Harrison went through with My Sweet Lord being similar to a song by the Chiffons, it's not fair. Like, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, A B, it's not fair. If it has to be an order, do it by keyboard order. It wasn't an order originally, like made up, thousands of years ago someone made up a better order for a keyboard let's go with that and it would make learning to touch type a lot easier (laughs) but you know what i don't think it has to be in any order at all like couldn't it just be organized into groups like what about by pen stroke the one pen stroke ones w u i o s two pen strokes e a f what's the only one that needs three pen strokes is it a w nope that's one pen stroke. Oh, I see what, yeah, yeah, sorry, I see what you mean. So taking it off the paper. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, 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 There's yeah. There's only yeah. one that needs um, three. You're going through the whole alphabet now. It could be a while. I, I'm trying, yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have to get it for I don't know. I don't, is it, who, is it F? No, it's no. H. F, you can of do course, with two. Of course, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe there could be one group with one that have all got enclosed areas, A, Q, R, P, D, B, O. I see them as somehow superior ones with enclosed areas. I don't know why. 
also letters. What about letters that have got their own special name, which is not phonetic, like W? That needs to yes. change while we're at it. Like, yes. well, it's fine. I would say that W is 100% my least favourite letter because I'm slightly ashamed to say that I have a mental block when somebody is spelling something that includes that letter and I have to really <laughs> think what they mean when they say W. It takes me, I'd say, twice or three times as long for me to write that one down. And I'm not saying yep. like it takes me three seconds, but it's just longer than the split mm-hmm, second. I have to go mm-hmm. W. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's the one that goes like that every time. Mm. And it's weird that they've got names and sounds. A, B, C, D, abacadur. Like one, the number. It's just one. We don't also call it Oni or something. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Giving them four more names. Yeah. Um, and if there is this radical shake-up, I do admit yeah. that it might make finding stuff in a dictionary a bit harder. But we're getting to the stage where dictionaries are only really used in countdown. Mostly they're used mm. digitally, where order is irrelevant. It's also quite bad news for companies that name themselves AA Cleaning or whatever to get to the first <laughs> bit of the yellow pages. But that feels outdated too. Yeah, so yeah, look, yeah. What I'm really saying here is it's lockdown. We're bored. Let's use this as a chance to sort this out. <laughs> Who's with me? Come on. <laughs> you know, um, the keyboard order, QWERTY. Mm. I'll sound like a pub quiz bore here, but the do you know you know the reason it's in that order? Go on. Why do you think it's in that order? Why do you think it might be? Because I thought it was how it was the make the easiest way to make you able to type. It's actually the opposite of that. Stop. So it. when they first made yeah, when they first made mechanical oh, typewriters, yes. the little arms would get would get jammed. So they actually arrange them in an order which would slow you down a little bit to stop that from happening. So why have they not been rearranged back again to a good order, to the exact opposite that they need to be in? You, you make a good point, and as you make a good point about just the order of the alphabet and how it, it, it you know, that's just something somebody decided. But one thing I would like you to think about really is life is meaningless and there's a lot of chaos <laughs> and much of how we perceive the world really is just humans imposing a non-existent order on things just to uh, try and mm. distract us from our own mortality and the futility of life. Okay, fair enough. I'm fine with it now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's what I was thinking we would do here, if it's all right with you, Annabelle, and you, the listener. Obviously, uh, if you are listening to this, you've got no form of veto. Annabelle's already said yes. Um, But this this is the order this next bit I thought could go in. I could tell you about something terrible that happened to me, Um, a a kind of classic adrift thing this week. Then I could rattle through just some questions and bits of pieces that have come in on the email 
over the past few weeks that aren't stories but um, warrant uh, dealing with. And then we could Great. get into mug, mug chat and the hierarchy of mugs. How does that sound? The pinnacle at the end. I like it. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I was thinking. Chat. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. So the first one. The other day I went to buy ingredients for a meal that my wife was cooking. She gave me a big, long shopping list. And then I rewrote it all in the order of where the things are in the shop. Oh, so that's exactly just... what happens to me and Tom. He hates that I don't yeah. write it in the order of the shop. That's so interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then I went to the shop. I started off with some fresh. It's a greengrocer's basically, but they have quite a good amount of cupboard produce in there as well. Anything from dried pasta, olive oil, tomato puree, spices, and so on. This will become relevant to the story. Get my okay. basket and start collecting the various bits of fruit and veg that we need. Pretty much the last thing on the list uh, is some ground cumin. Okay. Which is right at the back of the shop. And it's in this this narrow part of the shop where really you're sort of on top of somebody else, which feels a bit, if there are other people shopping, which there always are, it feels slightly uncomfortable in COVID times. You're just too close to each other. So I go to the back of the shop with my full basket full of fruit and veg and other stuff. I take down the spice, the ground cumin, and put it in my basket. As I am doing so, a guy next to me says, excuse me. I say, yeah. He says, I just wanted to tell you that the the spices are so expensive in this shop. If you go over the road, you can buy the same thing for half the price. Okay. The prices are good on fruit and veg, but it's really expensive buying uh, spices here. Now, here's the exact thought process that goes through my head. Mm. Yes, I might be able to save 80p, but it's cold. I don't want to go to a different place. The shop you've just described is also a butcher. And as a vegetarian, I'm a little bit squeamish about spending time in a butcher's when I don't have to. And I just I just want to get everything here and go home. Here's what comes out of my mouth. I said, that that is so helpful. Which which shop did you mean exactly? Oh, no, no. He said, Oh, the, the meat shop across the road. I said, That's great. Oh, I'll put this back then. I then hang up the spice <laughs> oh, and God. then pretend to be sort of um, looking for more fruit and vegetables while he goes and continues shopping in another part of the shop. Right? Right, right. So then he moves out of the way eventually after what feels like a lifetime. I Mm. then go and get the (laughs) cumin that I've already put back on the rack, put it into my basket and hide it under some fruit and veg. And I then go and get in the queue, knowing that it is out of sight. Yeah. When I get to the counter... The the guy, they're super helpful in the screen grocers. They always pack your bag for you, your tote bag. So he takes stuff out of my basket and arranges it on the counter in such a way that it's the easiest for him to put in into the bag. And for whatever oh. reason, this ground cumin is out oh. on the counter while this guy is still moving his way around the shop. So what I'm doing at this point is moving my body. Every time I get a sense of him moving out the corner of my eye, I then reposition my body to obscure the counter from his line of sight so that um, he, he he can't see that right. I've bought, bought the, the expensive cumin and not followed his kind 
advice about being frugal. How much? It, how much are you sweating at this point? Like I'd be. Sweating. Oh, it's awful. I'm, I'm really. I'm horrendous. feeling extremely agitated by this. Yeah. I eventually pay. It goes into the bag. I'm so relieved. I go outside, and I just I have to take a minute actually to just stand outside and do some deep breathing to calm myself down. <laughs> yeah. As I do this, this guy comes out of the shop. So he must have paid for his thing pretty much immediately after me. Yeah. And he says, "Oh, I'll show you. It's this shop over here." Uh, so yeah. then he cross then I have to go across the road with him. <laughs> and go into a butcher's and then he goes off and buys whatever he buys and I have to buy some more ground cumin oh, having already bought some. So I've I've actually spent three times as much as I'd needed to if I'd just followed his <laughs> advice and gone to the butchers and 50% as much as if, if I hadn't been dysfunctional enough to come up with an excuse like, oh, um, I'll, I'll just pop over there in a minute. I just need to call somebody. Why didn't I think of that? And you got sawdust on your shoes, I'm presuming. This is terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, so there was that. And you'll never get through all that cumin. Like, that, that cumin, cumin. It takes, like, forever to get through. Yeah, oh, well, at least you never have to, to buy again. The cheap stuff doesn't look good either. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, some email then, right? Oh, yes. First, th- first thing uh, comes from... Regent James Collins, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. I was wondering if Jeff could list some of the food he has made recently. I really enjoyed hearing the details when you shared them before. Thanks, distinguished Regent James Collins. I have to be honest about something, and it's a little bit embarrassing. Have you ever heard me talk about when I first moved out of home and I had my little flat in Manchester, my mum would come once a week and do all my cleaning and washing and ironing for me? Yes. You've heard me say that before. And then when I moved to London, um, my mum and dad would come and visit sometimes and she would take my washing home to the north, wash it, dry it, iron it, put it in a box and send it to the radio station. Or if I was going up north to see friends in Manchester for the weekend, she would wait on the platform of Macclesfield Station (laughs) and I would hand my washing, dirty laundry, out of the train to her on the platform as I was going through and then on my way back, she'd be standing there on platform with it all washed and ironed for me. And I know that is terrible behaviour for a 26, 27-year-old man, as as I arguably was at the time. I think boy is probably more apt. But I would always justify it by saying, but my mum, it was really good for her because she really, she really liked feeling as if she was keeping a hand in at being a mum or being a parent. Oh, and now... As I look back on it, even though my mum might say that, I, I would argue that that's not a very healthy way to think about it. <laughs> so all that being said, what I'm about to say may well fall into the same category in that for the last, I don't know, certainly since this lockdown and and the more severe tier was introduced. So what's that, the back end of December, middle of December, Sarah has cooked every meal we've had that hasn't been a takeaway. And what I'm telling myself, and she has kind of said this, although I still don't think it's great. Number one, because she can't out and do, go out and do her job to be a stand-up at the moment, she's agitated of the evening and it gives her some kind of sense of purpose. 
Number mm. two, she is finding something rewarding about just the, the the mindfulness that goes into the cooking. And number three, I make such a mess when I'm cooking <laughs> that, and, and then do such a bad job of tidying it up that it's too stressful for her and she'd rather do it herself. Okay. So I'm taking all those things at face value and I have checked in I've, yeah. and I've said, I'll, I'll cook because I w- was doing it in lockdown one, but she, she seems to be very happily doing it. So that in mind, I haven't cooked anything for ages. Um, the most recent thing I ate was a Montreal bagel with cream cheese for lunch, which I don't know the difference between a Montreal and a New York bagel. Um, well, it was a sesame seed one. It's very good. Um, for breakfast, I had crumpets with butter and marmite. So probably a bit carby today. Um, and mm. then last night, I had a takeaway, which was an Indian vada pow, which is like a, a hamburger bap bun with a ball of deep fried potato in the middle and spices on it with a chili, um, a sort of burnt chili on it, and some gobi manchurian, which is like the chili paneer I talked about, but with um, cauliflower. And then before that, I had some Cheerios with oat milk. So I'm sorry that probably wasn't as interesting as you would have liked, but um, otherwise I would just be thinking of all the things that my wife had cooked over the last month, which have been fantastic. But <laughs> I feel like I'm che- I feel like I'm cheating if I'm just saying things that she's cooked. Okay, okay. But I do think it's interesting that um, that James wanted to know, and as you and I have said before. Like, what is more fascinating in a certain way than just hearing what other people eat in any given day? I love it. When I talk to my friend Kate, um, we talk about once a week, and I really look forward to the bit of the conversation where I ask her what she's having for a tea. And then I find it fascinating. Yeah, she she told me that for breakfast, she counts out fourteen shreddies. She counts her shreddies out. Wow. Yeah, fourteen. And then on special days, she has 16. Isn't that just fascinating? It's extremely interesting. And I was telling her about when we used to do a radio breakfast show, the DJ who came on after us, we would get him to, over the course of the previous 24 hours, write down everything that he put in his body from glasses of water, hot and cold beverages, food, snacks, everything. He would then list it all for us and we would try and guess whether his weight had gone up and down or down before getting him to stand on scales. And it was genuinely fascinating as was we used to do a feature on our late night show called the shitting forecast where we would get people to list everything the callers this was list everything they'd eaten that day and then annabelle would in the style of the shipping forecast predict their bowel movements and again (laughs) just fascinating just fascinating to hear about what other people eat Mm -mm. especially people who had very voracious appetites I think I'd watch a TV show which was just people sitting in a row just talking, just doing a list of what they've eaten that day, like one after yeah. the other. I could, I would just yeah. watch that. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that, I hope that uh, deals with all that. This comes from Martin Cable who says, Hi both. I think it was Prue Leith rather than Mary Berry who did the British Rail food. She was even on the British Rail board in the 70s. Not sure about Upper Crust though. Um, easy mistake. They're interchangeable for most things. I do feel bad for mixing them up, but you can see how I got there with the Bake Off thing. And I know it, you, yep. you were quite right. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it was Prue Leith who was the restaurateur. And, but she was instrumental in the, uh, in the inception of upper crust so i know i know that's right i just got the names mixed up when i said it on the podcast oh and this was interesting as well this came from rebecca who said dear jeff and annabelle 
Thank you for helping to solve my no baby yet dilemma on this week's podcast. Uh, all dog walking duties are now on my husband until the baby arrives. So that was Quandary Corner from a few weeks ago. But she also writes, mm. I also wanted to reassure Jeff that he's not alone in spilling of drinks, his spilling of drinks problem. I've knocked over so many glasses of water that my boss bought me a water bottle. And I have to say, it is the best. Only a few drops come out when I knock it over. And also due to the straw, I no longer have to tilt my head back to drink. Yes, I am that lazy. That's- I wonder if adult sippy cups could be our uh, ticket out of this hellhole. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think more and more people drink, do drink out of a bottle because people can't leave the house now without water in the, in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think more and more people do have a bottle and you tend to like just have it around the house. I know Tom drinks mm. out of a bottle for most of the day now. I think even ad- at home. branded adrift adult sippy cups. Mm. That That is a good merchandise idea. Although that being said, that being said, lots of people have got in touch with us saying that we should do adrift mugs on account of Mug Chan. Who you drinking out of Mug Chan? That one's for tea and Mug Chan. Which one's your favourite? Mug Chan. That was a gift, so I'll have it forever. Mug Chan. Mug Chan. Mug chat with Annabelle and Jeff. That's right. Mug chat, the hierarchy of mugs. I've been saying to people on Twitter, Annabelle, when they suggest it, that um, I don't think you could cope with lugging mugs to the post office after the, 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 you know, the pencils ate your life, the adrift pencils and the badges. So... What well, the pencils, the badges, I could, I could just put through the letter, a letterbox. I would have to go mm. to a post office, and our post office is closing down soon, uh, and, uh, and they would be very heavy. The mugs, but someone did mm. suggest another way of doing it. So you know, I'm not, I'm not closing the book on that one. Like maybe, okay. do you think it's a good idea? Maybe, I think it, yeah, maybe it's a, de- it's a definite maybe. A definite um, all right maybe. then, definite maybe. So, what, what have we got to add to the, uh, to the conversation on the hierarchy of mugs this week? Well, from Sophie Godwin, I, of course, have a mug hierarchy. In my family, my parents, brother and I all drink multiple cups of tea a day and take it in turns to make them. When I am making the tea, I take great care when it comes to mug selection, deeply considering each person's individual hierarchy combined with factors such as time of day and type of tea, which may influence preferences. Mm. However, my brother is not as obsessive when choosing mugs as he just opens the cupboard and grabs the closest four. Any attempt to educate him on this fine art, he surprisingly doesn't seem to care. When he makes tea, I'm often forced to drink tea out of a bottom tier mug and feel bitter resentment while doing so. Also, if I'm given a drink in a bad mug at someone else's house, I often worry that it is some sort of passive aggressive sign. Perhaps I haven't yet earned the right to drink out of a good mug. Of course, it's more likely that they're just like my brother and haven't given it any thought. Well, I hadn't thought of that before. The paranoia of like, they're giving me this bad mug because they don't like me. <laughs> Imperial Mistress <gasps> Becca says, this is embarrassing. Me and my husband, more me than husband, made a chart of our glasses and mugs, which was stuck up in our kitchen. See <laughs> husband wonderful. would say, I'll have a panini tea, please. And I would jovially berate him for specifying the mug and not the class of mug it belonged to. So I saw this list and basically the mugs were divided into the categories of XL, large, sublarge, mm. normal, subnormal <laughs> and small. And there were 23 sub-large. mugs. 
Some large is brilliant. 23 mugs in total. All of them had their own name. 23 mugs with a name. <laughs> this is this is beyond anything we've heard so far. It's incredible. The list yeah. was binned when we moved house and occasionally I jokingly threatened to bring it back. To make the list, I spent ages measuring how much liquid each mug held. It was kind of a joke that went too far. I was I was embarrassed to be typing this out. Overall, though, we do still use the mug names. My favourite is Spice Girls Mug, as it is a nice size. I love That's that. I, th- I think the commitment to it, it's funny to think that anybody would be embarrassed submitting that to Mug Chat, <laughs> given the way this has gone yes. the last couple of weeks, because... <laughs> It's it's clearly very impressive to the type of person who listens to this podcast and yeah, presents yeah. it for that matter. <laughs> Do you want one more? Yeah, why not? Okay. So this is from Distinguished Professor Kendall. Favourite. I have a favourite mug that was in the communal mug cupboard at my former office. Uncharacteristic. Oh uncharacteristically for me I did it as a rule follower I surreptitiously stashed it with my personal belongings on my last day of that job Mm. I work for the same university but in a different team and it's one of my greatest fears that I will be on a zoom meeting (laughs) with former colleagues and they will spot it but it's still my favorite white interior dainty and well made sports a very industry specific pun and the handle fits my hands perfectly decidedly unfavorite mug Because it belonged to a beloved late relative of my partner, we will never be rid of this mug. Though I've never met him, I've heard many stories about this relative's bawdy and irreverent sense of humour. Upon his death, my partner was bequeathed items too saucy for other family members, including a set of of two mugs fashioned as large perky breasts designed so that the beverage is consumed directly through the nipple. Even as a body positive person, I must say the the overall vibe is creepy. By the time I joined the scene, one of the mugs of the set had broken, leaving only one breast of the pair. When we first joined households, my partner had this mug in the cupboard with all the others. I swiftly boxed it up in the basement with my stash of canning jars, where it lived for the next nine years. Only recently, when I was short on vessels to pot some baby aloe plants, I decided to use it for that. Wow, lovely. So great. Um, Please contribute to the conversation. Let's keep this going for at least five years. <laughs> I, can't, I can't envisage a time I would tire of this. Um, email us your hierarchy of mugs and matters arising from, from this. Uh, hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was this week's Mug, 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 Mug chat with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Right, Annabelle, Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Who is the first one from? It's from Lucy. How does one respond to the question, do you mind if I smoke? usually asked by someone with cigarette already in hand. I always feel that it is socially unacceptable to say no, and yet surely most non-smokers out there must indeed mind. I discussed this with some fellow non-smokers recently and all agreed that they do mind, but always say no, they don't anyway, and suffer the consequences in silence, apart from one person who has bad asthma and will tell people so. I guess many drifters must relate to this situation. Yeah, so... Well, 
I, d- I don't know if this is a rule, but I think, you know, just as something I've observed, I'm very comfortable if it's in my own house saying, oh, yeah, just pop into the back garden. But Great. very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable in any other envi- environment. Okay, what would you do if you didn't have a garden? Okay, I'll open a window for you to sit by. Is that no, okay? no, 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 yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just say, oh yeah, of course, pop out. I'll uh, leave the door on the latch. Oh, okay, I don't want people okay. smoking in my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Why? How would but you in any other it? situation? Oh gosh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I think, I think in your own home. Does anybody ask if they can smoke still? No, people just go outside, don't no, they? I'm trying to yeah, think if yeah. people have come to my house. There aren't many of them. But the one that I can think of, he would always just go outside. That's just the done thing now. Mm-hmm. And another situation, if you'd be outside, I don't know. I'm not mm. sure how much it's happened to me of in recent years, but I would have a very hard time saying no. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really difficult. It's it's a really. I think the rule thing. is then, if if it's in your own house, you can say, "Oh, yep, yeah, I'll put the draw on the latch or pop in the garden." Yeah. In any other situation, yeah. you just have to go. That's fine. Yeah. Especially when they've already got a cigarette in their hand. That is when know, you just such... can't do anything. I remember because of my age, obviously, like before the smoking ban, and it's such a. I'm. I'm grasping for the phrase and i can't find it here but it's it's not a genuine question no because they're just putting you in a position where you can't say no without um seeming like you're difficult or oh the poor person with their lungs um I remember being in restaurants and still finishing my main course or my starter or whatever and somebody saying oh you don't mind if i smoke do you like why is wow. like not yeah. even waiting for between courses? Yeah, that's pretty bad. But you know, the house I grew up in, it was like the royal family. It was like a fog <laughs> of cigarettes. It was. It was like you know when you see uh, uh, London pea supers in the nineteenth century or San Francisco, just a a low hanging mist the whole time. Like my parents or my aunties and uncles and stuff, and and my brother and sister have grown up to be smokers, and I just hate it so much even as a kid it just like just always hated what it did to the air so i think mm. maybe i'm i'm particularly sensitive about yeah, yeah. it okay. it used to drive me mad as well you know growing up in an era when there'd be all this public health information about not smoking and you'd have superman doing adverts for you know how you shouldn't smoke and looking with his x-ray eyes into Lois Lane's lungs and stuff. I don't remember that. Like, wow. Well that, well, that was one. But do you not feel like our generation, certainly, there was a lot of anti-smoking messaging yeah. To, yeah, aimed yeah. at kids and teenagers. And it would drive me mad that these were the rules that we were being told and none of the adults were fi- following the rules. It would drive me insane. <laughs> <laughs> and st- and st- it's like still does. Like, it's really weird. Anyway, um, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, for another day. What? Who's the next one from? Okay, this one is from David. <clears throat> As people who like to keep to the rules and keep ourselves to ourselves and limit our interaction with neighbours to polite pleasantries, the following is like a living nightmare. Please help. Oh God! 
Obviously, we are all under strict lockdown rules in the UK at the moment. We've been really careful and sticking to the rules the whole time, as everyone should be. We had our first child in June of last year. Having a baby in lockdown was about as crazy as you might imagine. Because we have a baby under one, since December, we've been allowed to be in a support bubble with one other household, according to the government guidelines. As Mm -hmm. such, we've been in a bubble with my wife's family who live nearby. Her mum, dad and two younger sisters all live in the same house, so we're in a bubble with all of them. They come over a couple of times a week to just give us a bit of help with our daughter and let us get some work done. That's the background. Now the quandary. Mm -hmm. On Saturday... We got a visit from the police saying they've had, had they've had an anonymous tip off that we have been repeatedly breaking lockdown rules. Obviously, we explain the situation and that we do have family over a couple of times a week, but it's because of this support bubble. They were fine with it mm. once it was all explained and apologised for the trouble. I asked the police to report this back to the person who reported it, but they said they couldn't because it was anonymous. So this person still thinks we've been breaking the rules. So... Obviously, one of our neighbours has grasped us up. We know they're probably just doing what they thought was right, but it's still a bit awkward. The police were mentioned that the report said that the people have been coming and staying for several hours, which is true. So we know whoever reported us must have been watching for a long period of time, which is not only a bit creepy, but also means it must be a close-ish neighbour. We live on a close of about 25 houses and are close by to around eight of those. We have no idea who reported us. And although we've obviously done nothing but speculate on who it is since, we have no way of knowing. Our family haven't come round since the visit from the police, but they will do at some point this week. So the question is, what do we do? We have a WhatsApp group with most of the neighbours close to us. Should we post something in here just about the fact that we are in a support bubble? We thought everyone knew about these support bubbles, so we never thought that that was necessary. But now, after speaking to a few people, it seems they're not as common knowledge as we thought. Putting something in the group chat after three months seems so out of the blue. People will think we're losing it. So mm. would we have to mention would we have to mention someone called the police and we just want to clear things up and avoid wasting police time? But that means everyone else then will be wondering who did that, as well as it being super passive aggression to the person who reported us. And anyway, whoever did report us might not be in this group. Do we just ignore it? But now we are totally paranoid about the fact that our neighbours think we're being the COVID rule breakers, when in actual fact we're being really careful to be responsible. How do we act around our neighbours? At least one of them has grasped us up to the police for something we haven't done. How do we act normally? We feel like we're under MI5 surveillance in our own home. Someone is watching us all the time. Oh God, this is this is awful. I mean, my first instinct was you should, out of those eight neighbours, you should post excrement through the (laughs) each letterbox, and the one that doesn't come to you and say, "What the hell did you do that for?" (laughs) is the one who reported you to the police. Yes, yes. And if none of them do, then they all reported you to the police. Yeah, they all got together and did a joint report. Yeah. yeah, that's a great solution for finding out who did it. Maybe yeah, do it one I at a time because you never know your luck. You might get it right first time. I don't mm, know. It's very hard. It's, it's really difficult, isn't it? Is there it, the, one? I, yeah, no, no, that doesn't work. Okay, go on. Because he mentioned the WhatsApp group, and mm. I know he's thought through all the different sort of ideas of using that, but surely if you just put in it, Oh, just I just wanted to let everyone know that 
um, if you've noticed family coming and going, it's because they're our support bubble and that's allowed, just in case anyone was worried that we're all never And then with a link to the government um, guidance. No, that's a bit much. That's a bit much. No, I would do that. Just you. I know you would. Do that. <laughs> yeah. that that would be. I'd find that quite satisfying doing it that mm. way. I I wouldn't write anything. I would just put a link to the guidance. I wouldn't write the thing that you just said. Oh, I'd wow. just like pass, I'd, I'd is, put it there in a passive aggressive way. That's very passive. I I don't know why. Which is I'd my friend John always says is the best kind of aggressive. Yeah, absolutely. I think. I'd happily be passive aggressive. Like they've been aggressive. You're just, well, I suppose they think they're doing the mm. right thing, but it's very, it's, it's extremely awkward. Mm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, but they've ruled out moving house. That's one of the obvious options. Yeah. 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 Talking very loudly about when the next time your family come over about how they're your support bubble and how it's perfectly legal. Getting a megaphone to welcome you could, them. You know how some Why not people s- have like a. Oh, like a wee heart. There's something going on with the Zoom this week, Annabelle, where we're slightly out of sync with each other and we keep um, interrupting each other. Yeah, okay. I know, I know. So you you go. Thanks. Some people have the wee heart NHS signs with a rainbow Mm. on their windows. You could have a wee heart support. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was going to say something very similar, like make a big banner that says, welcome, perfectly legal support bubble. (laughs) when they arrive yeah that's nice yeah Yeah. (laughs) our support bubbles here yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think if you look if you look to yourself and you look to your neighbors david i think you know who did it i think i would know who did it in my in in, on my street you just know you do the do the larry david curb your enthusiasm stare into their eyes Mm, you just know yeah i would i would use my instinct work out who it is anonymous letter through the door situation dealt with and if not there's always the excrement option always And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening to us this week and any other weeks you may have listened and future weeks if you're going to come back. We appreciate it. Um, you can email us if you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, a social dilemma. You need to know what the rule is, then we can try and help with that. Um, if you have anything on the hierarchy of mugs for mug chat or uh, any adjacent issues, love to hear from you on that. That is a hot topic at the moment. And, of course, um, being a magnet for awful, awfulness and embarrassing situations. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music, to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Carla Gowlett, not Carla. Um, Carla Gowlett designed design them either. She took them with a the camera and very good at it she is as well. I'm flagging here, Annabelle. <laughs> It's, it's, it's late-ish and I didn't sleep well last night um, but thanks to Carla for the photos even after all these years very happy with them there will come a point though I don't know if you've thought about this where you know it looks like we're not acknowledging the ageing process oh, by using said- photos from 2017 many years before that will start to worry me many, okay many. okay okay like people do on their dating profiles yeah yeah very much so yeah anyway uh, so that's all that and 
remember, it wasn't a sample. It was someone's discarded pancake. Would you like to know who the podication is from? Absolutely. Katie Oldfield. Yeah. Great. My best friend stroke cousin when I was growing up, because I found it difficult to make friends with people who weren't related to me, um, was my cousin Rachel Oldfield. Oh, similar surname. Well, the same surname, in fact. Yeah, same, yeah. <laughs> Her brothers, Andrew and Anthony Oldfield, used to torment me by picking me up by the ears. How's that even possible? That must hurt. Mm, it does hurt, yeah, That's yeah. That's not kind. That's not kind. Um, my uncle, Mick Oldfield, big big golfer, loves his golf, going a bit deaf. And my Auntie Eileen Oldfield is the best sewer in our family. Oh, the best. Oh, God, I don't know who the best sewer in my family is. I didn't know there was such a thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. She's a real seamstress. Mm. There, there are other old fields as well now by marriage and, um, you know, extended family and stuff, but I, I, we don't really have the time. Right, no. Rachel Oldfield isn't even an Oldfield anymore. She's a Beezer. A Beezer? That's a good surname. Rachel Beezer, yeah. She's married to Andy Beezer. They both went and lived in China for a while. Um, and now she came back. He was going to come back, I think. Anyway, is this interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not interesting. It's not interesting. I'm interested someone he went was, to China. Yeah, so they went and lived in China for a year. Um, she was doing something in the realm of social work and he was a teacher and they both found work in a school over there they did a year then they came back he decided to go and do a bit more teaching in china in a very short term kind of way then the pandemic came and he's been stuck in china for a year wow yeah Yeah. that's bad that's stuff my rachel my cousin rachel formerly oldfield now beezer beezer knee oldfield she dislikes beetroot to such an extent that if there was a jar of beetroot on the table she couldn't sit at a table really yeah i find i know an awful lot about her now do you want to know what her middle name is no okay i'm glad you said that because i felt slightly guilty because she's one of these people who really doesn't like her middle name and it's very unusual um, oh, no, I want I, to know. Thought, no, because then I thought, is it like a betrayal of trust yeah, saying okay. it on the podcast? Yeah, don't say, don't say. And Annabelle, will you stop making this about Rachel, <laughs> Andrew, Anthony, Eileen and Mick Oldfield? Sorry, 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 sorry. And Andy Beezer, when it's actually about Katie yeah, Oldfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was sent um, nearly a year ago as well, this one, like last She's time. Not. I need to ask you, are you seriously emailing these people and saying, we've done your podcast? Yeah, but I will admit that I only did it today, last week's. I remember okay. today. All right. So that's only a week's delay. That's all right. That's okay. No, no, it's fine as long as they're getting it. Let me it see because... if she replied. Hold on. Yeah. No, no reply. It's a bit awkward. No. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. I don't expect yeah. a reply. Why would she reply? There's no need to reply. No, no, no. I, don't, I think uh, the weight of responsibility. I think if somebody wrote in for a publication a year ago, mm. then it's our responsibility. It's, I don't expect them to still be listening at this point. It's our response, mm. especially given the year we've had and how inane mm. the things I bring to the podcast have be, become. I mean, they were pretty inane, inane to begin with, but we're at a whole other level now, <laughs> a year into a pandemic. Um, so Katie says, 
As a long-time listener and seasoned procrastinator, I've been meaning to write in for a number of months. Nothing like a national lockdown to motivate, though, is there? Well, nothing like um, a national lockdown, then a relaxation, then a tier system, then a mini lockdown, mm -hmm. then more tiers, mm. and then another lockdown to finally get getting round to reading it out, Katie. Um here we go. I started listening to your late show as a teenager in 2006 whilst finishing up my homework in the evenings and hiding away in my room as all good teenagers do. Your show also helped me tell how late home from my boyfriends I would be for curfew. I needed to have driven through the outskirts of Slough by the time porting controversy started or I knew I was running late. So I think, I don't know where you were living, but I think you were due to be home by 11 oh. because that would be on typically 10.35, 10.40. Wow, good memory. Right? I had no idea. Mm, yeah. In 2007, I'll, t I'll tell you exactly how the first hour of that, well, actually, I'm maybe writing a, a check that I can't cash here. We'd come on. I'd have a little bit of a thing to say after a record or two. Then we'd play another record. Then we'd talk about what we wanted people to call in with that evening. Mm -hmm. Then we'd go to commercials, have another record, after which we'd do some calls. Mm -hmm. Then I think we'd come back and I'd have a little bit of something to talk about from my day or the news or whatever. Then we'd play another two records, I think. Then we'd do Porting Controversy. Then more calls, into an ad break, back from the break, set up Drunk versus Stoned. And then a couple more records, and then maybe that was the end of the hour. Sounds about right. Wow, your memory, amazing. My memory's so bad for so many things, and, and yet that stuff just mm, stays with me. Amazing. Um, let's have a look. Sorry, but it's a bit self-indulgent, that, wasn't it? Oh. Again, we're supposed to be making it about Katie. <laughs> this is, she's waited a year for this. I know. In 2007, I went to university in Scotland and listened via the internet. I achieved one of my proudest moments when you read out my response to a call for tales of people doing unusual things in unusual places. It was a story of someone my family once saw in Disneyland reading a physics textbook in line for the It's a Small World ride. Once again, your voices kept me company whilst revising for exams, this time at the slightly later hour of Drunk versus Stoned. Yeah, so I think that typically would... The first round of that would be about 10 past 11. The second round would be sometime between quarter past and 20 past, and it would be all wrapped up by 25 past. Can't remember the next half hour really clearly of that show. The midnight hour can remember its various iterations, but what was the next? Anyway, um, taking a few years off listening to do typical university and early 20s shenanigans, I rediscovered you via the Absolute Radio podcast. By this time, I had a job involving an hour commute and a lot of driving around Scotland. Those podcasts, especially Mind Expanding Mondays, entertain me on those long, lonely drives. That was good, Mind Expanding mm -hmm. Monday. I mean, when I look back at those final few years on the radio, those final three years especially, which I think were a little bit... Um, staying slightly too long at the party. Yeah. I really loved Mind Expanding Mondays. If I'm absolutely honest with myself, I'm not sure that long conversations with physicists and stuff had any place between stereophonics records and uh, keen records. Right. But it's a way of keeping it interesting to myself and hopefully like-minded people. Yeah, yeah. There would have been some people who like, well, a lot of people liked it, but maybe well, I not. Don't know. The owner of the know. radio station. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think at that point, I just, 
was trying to get through those years and keep mm. it interesting to myself. Mm. But I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, Katie Oldfield liked yes, it. Yes, that's the important thing. Yeah, I was a bit behind on listening and uh, and catching up on podcasts in 2017 when I found out about your departure from radio only the week before you left. Walking home at the time, I shed a tear, somewhat discombobulated to feel uh, to find out the continuity of your voices on the radio was ending. Therefore, I was absolutely delighted to hear you were starting the Adrift podcast. And I now listen every week to make sure I don't get behind and suffer such a shock again. I haven't made it along to a live event yet. Well, there was only the one no, so, far. so far. There was the pre-Adrift one and then there was the, the other one. And then the uh, Patreon. We should, it's really difficult with Patreon stuff and lockdown and Zoom, but we should try and think of something we can do remotely mm-hmm. um, soon. Yes, definitely. Uh, I'll have a think about that. Um but she says, Jeff, you passed me on the pavement in Edinburgh one summer with your family. Despite not being a natural drifter, in fact, normally overconfident with strangers, I was overcome with shyness at not wanting to interrupt or create an awkward situation. It still ranks as my favourite celebrity spot of the fringe, though. i tell you a funny thing. like um, Due to the mediocrity of my career, I'm very, very ra- rarely recognised. Um but it does seem to happen at the fringe more than pretty much anywhere else. Oh, weird. Yeah. I would have I would love to say hello. Also, it would make me look good to my wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, she always gets a kick out of that happening, although it tends to sort of happen the other way around, really. Um, sorry, she just texted me to ask where I am. <laughs> We're usually done by now. I'll just for the for the for the listeners' point of view, it was uh, it's it's five to ten on Tuesday night, mm. and usually we're all done by about half past. But which suggests to me I've really witted on with myself today. <laughs> I think we this is going to be a long episode, so sorry about that. Um, so after fourteen years on and off of listening, I would like to request a podication for all other long-time listeners, and also both of you through twelve. House moves, a cross-country relocation, studying for degrees, and all of life's ups and downs. Starting to get get a little bit teary, which again is making about me, not about <laughs> Katie Oldfield. It's just, you know, lives, time, time, Annabelle, where does it go? I just don't know. I just don't know. Um, <laughs> um, Listening to your chatter has always given me a sense of home and continuity and a slight sense of panic of unfinished homework, even at 30 years old. Keep up the redacted work. Mm. I also have a story to send in, but I'll send it in in a separate email so you can file them under separate electronic bulldog clips. Peace and love. So says Katie. I'm going to tell you what my fear is here, Annabelle. Mm. So she wrote what is a lovely and in a very sort of egocentric way, quite moving email. Mm -mm talking about us soundtracking 14 years of a life we have now taken a year to get around to it at some point during that year which has been a different year for pretty much every a difficult year for pretty much everybody she's going to have become very angry and disillusioned with us yeah don't know what to say what can we do though if people ask for a certain date on the podcast we do it if they don't they just go in the order they come in but I'm I'm feeling slightly bad here, mm. uh, and what I'm trying to do here, Katie, is even, even though it's a system and it's a good system and it's it's a fair system, what I'm trying to do, you'll notice, is just put it in your mind that it's very much Annabelle who's doing <laughs> and not mine. <laughs> Basically, it, it was it's like noted. I won't do admin. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Noted. Yeah. You know. I, 
I, I, I'm not. I'm not really the admin guy on the podcast, mm. but if I was, I'd have a much better system. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't happen. How? How? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to share it. Right. You might steal my idea. Well, that make things better. Okay. Yeah. I do. I do tend to email mm. people back if they don't ask for a date, warning them. But but okay. but I do think that I only started doing that in maybe April of last year. So she would have just mm. missed the the time when I started thinking right, right. I need to start That's emailing people back and letting them know. Actually. Pretty convenient. Yeah, pretty yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems strange to me that you wouldn't just start with the earliest <laughs> not done publication and then oh. email through. Again, you know, I, I have good ideas for systems yeah, and things, yeah. but I'm, I'm not the admin guy in the podcast. Maybe you should be the admin guy. No, <laughs> no, I can't. It's just not my... Uh, i tell you what, I'm a great... Uh, I think I'm a great inventor of a system, but a poor maintainer of a system. Right. I, as it turns out, I'm not good at either. Mm-hmm. Mm. If you ever need any advice. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. How did what's that? What they call backseat driving? Little, uh, little, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. M- much obliged well, to you, though. Much obliged. Yeah, that's okay. Um, Katie, thank you, and and sorry, mm. and thank you, <laughs> and there we go. The latest edition of the podcast, dedicated to Katie Oldfield. And if you would like a, a podication, email us hello at adriftpodcast dot com. Just make up a date. Is my advice to yeah. you. Because <laughs> if we get them with dates on, we'll do like nineteen podications on the same date. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's just if they don't, then uh, then we we've seen the system stretch to its limits. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, another podcast next week. I, I say with as much confidence as you can ever say about these exactly. things. Who knows what could happen? But um, providing that either very bad fortune or very good fortune don't strike, we'll be here next week <laughs> as ever. <laughs> Okay. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.